Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Pastor Mason, if you don't know me. I've uh, been with uh, uh, this church for a long time, probably, I think it's going on 25 years. So um, I've been, uh, uh, been a part of it and seen a lot of things happen and see a lot of things change. And, uh, and as far as the bad golf goes, I know somebody that's worse. I took my, brother, my son-in-law to golf one time. And he hit a golf ball, and it hit the golf cart wheel, knocked the hub off, <laughs> and the ball ended up behind us, I think. So, <laughs> so no, we're not the worst, So, just so you know. But, uh, <laughs> but we do have a blast out there. We really do. Um, so come and join us. Well, hey, uh, uh, on Tuesday, thanks to all of you, we probably had one of our biggest events in generations history, going to the movie uh, Jesus Revolution, we had almost 70 people attend that, and it really warmed my heart. I think the biggest event we ever had close to that was one of our baseball games that we had in the past. Um, but it really warmed my heart to see all of you there. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but Harvest Ministries or Harvest Church, Greg Laurie's Church, sponsored that for us. Um, they paid for those tickets for us to be able to attend, which I'm very thankful for. Um, and we had a blast. Now, before uh, Christmas time, Bob and I were able to uh, go and see the movie ahead of time. We saw a director's cut. It wasn't finished, so it was hard to hear parts of it. But we were able to see it um, ahead of all of you. And during that time, while I was watching that uh, clip, I, I said to myself, I said, Man, this looks like a lot like my life was back in the 70s, and maybe some of you as well. Um, you, not you younger people here in the front row, but <laughs> my boys are here today, so I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, that I cover them as well. But, but, but a lot of us lived in that time, maybe not the revolution itself or what was going on, but we surely lived in that time and know a lot of things that are going on. And as I watched it that day, I said, man, that's, that's a lot like my life. And then he said, maybe you should tell that story. And then I said to Andrew, maybe I should tell that story. <laughs> Here I am today. <laughs> uh, now, before I start talking about my story a little bit, I want to just place a few possible rumors or maybe not rumors about me. Um, there's this thing going around that my grandparents took me to see Mary Poppins. And after the movie, I went home to my grandparents' house and took my little sister and put her on the roof of that house with a couple umbrellas. And we had her float down across the kitchen window while my grandmother watched through the window. That may or may not have happened. We're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> We're also not going to talk about the time somebody took me to the circus and I decided to go home and put my other sister on a block wall with a beam and they may or may not have ended up in the emergency room. We're not going to talk about that today either. <laughs> and the other one I'm not going to talk about today is that when, <laughs> when I was a little older, uh, me and my buddies got this great idea to take my little sister's VW bug and lift it up and put it in our front yard at night so that when my father woke up the next morning, <laughs> he would not be so happy with my little sister. So <laughs> we're not going to talk about those today. And I'm sure I have many other stories a bit like that. Um, 
But, uh, but I do want to share some of my story with you guys today. I thought it would be important. If you saw the movie, that was Greg Laurie's story. It was really good. It's very powerful. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you go see it. I've already seen it twice. I'll probably see it again. Um, but it's a really great movie and a really great story. Um, Mark 16 tells, tells us in the Passion uh, text, it says, And he said to them, As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. And that came to me as I started to think about my story, that I should go out and share it. And you guys have stories, and you should share them too, because um, you may change somebody's life. You just might. Um, over the years, songwriters have written several songs about love. I'm sure you could think of one. I, I know they go through my, my mind all the time. In fact, while I was writing this, I thought about uh, songs like The Power of Love, um, Love Makes the girl, or World Go Around, What the World Needs is Love, Sweet Love, and of course, one of my favorites that I think about often is All You Need is Love that John Lennon wrote. And it's really true if you think about that. Sometimes that's all we need you know, is love. And, uh, and I feel like God is the ultimate songwriter on this subject. Uh, and and uh, he, he is the author that sets a pri- priority on how we love, right? If you look in the Bible, it says it begins with him. We are to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, and with all our strength. We are to love him with every fiber of our being. And secondly, we're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves So God created this burning desire for love in our hearts so that we would seek him out, right? God creates that in us. He creates a love in us, a desire in us. The day we're born, we come out, we want to be held, we want to be nurtured, we want to, you know, we want to be felt loved, right? Right? Then you're put with your mom or your dad and you're held and and you feel that love and then as you get a little bit older, you cry and you, you want that love, right? I mean, that's how it goes. For you that have kids, you know this for sure. Something goes wrong, they're going to go crying, right? We, we see it all the time. I see it as a grandparent. Kids, they want to be held and they want to be loved. And God creates that in us so that in hopes we would find him. That's his hope, is we would find him. Not to, I mean, he could do anything he wants. Is he can make us all love him if he wanted to. But he's in hopes that we would seek him out, right? And so through the, my life, I've thought a lot about this. Uh, this gentleman, Blaise Pascal, writes, There is inside every soul a Christ-shaped emptiness that only Christ himself can begin to fill. Now, there was also a song in the 80s, I believe it was in the 80s, called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, right? I, I can't remember the person who sang it, but there was a song I think it might be country, if I remember right, but it's called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. And as I hear that title, I think that fits to my life. (laughs) I surely look for love in a lot of wrong places over the years. Um, When I was little, you know, you're born, I talked about how you love, you got this desire for love. As I went into grade school, uh, my parents worked and... uh, you know, we went off to school and did all the little kids things we always did. But unfortunately, during my grade school years, my mom and dad uh, d- divorced. Uh, it was unfortunate that that happened. And uh, so my mom became a single mom with three kids and took care of us on like a dry cleaners type salary. They just worked hard. The parents of that time, they worked really hard at what they've done. And I don't tell that story to... to 
make you upset or cry, but I, I just look back on my life and I find that there are coaches in life, there are footsteps in life where you can tell God is sometimes, even when you don't know them. And so as my mom divorced my father, my grandparents took over and helped us. Um, and I'll probably cry at times, so I'm sorry. I'm just a blubberer up here most of the time anyways. Everybody can vouch for that. And actually, my sister, or my wife said that, are you going to cry? <laughs> she probably invited my sons to make sure it would happen. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, so my grandparents helped step in during that time. My dad was not really around it much, if at all. Um, so they would come in, my grandfather and grandparents would get us off to school, they would get us home, they would um, make sure that we were safe, they'd make sure we did our homework even when we didn't want to do our homework, um, and they'd get us ready for when my mom got home to, to take us home and feed us dinner and get us all ready for the next day. Um, my grandfather would step up and take me to like father-dad things, um, which was kind of cool, and he took me to my first Dodger game, that's why I'm such a big Dodger fan. Because uh, I remember the first time I walked into that stadium as a little kid, it's just like overwhelming, you know. So ever since then, I've been just a great big Dodger fan during that time. And uh, and so they did the best they can in taking care of us. I remember sitting at the dinner table, the little table that we have for homework, arguing with my grandmother over uh, math problems and all kinds of things. My grandparents, my mom would give us lunch money. We'd go to our grandparents in the morning before school. They'd take our lunch money and have us a back lunch and put that in a jar, teaching us how to save. We didn't really care for that at times, but <laughs> but we did like going over to TGNY later and spending that money on something really cool. So, um, so there was benefits. That was just life things. And they taught us a lot of life things. My grandfather would take me on the job to do construction work. Uh, probably not why I'm a car carpenter anymore or want to be a carpenter after seeing all that, but, uh, but they taught us a lot of things. Now, as I moved into my junior high years um, in the, in the mid-70s, my grandparents decided to move away. So I'm back to my mom. <laughs> and that's pretty much your support, your love, what, your, what, your pro or what I was programmed through was, was all of that support and love that I had uh, they decided to move on. Nothing against them. That was just a time in their life where they decided to retire and move on. I was a bit devastated during that time. My mom met a new man uh, to be our stepdad, soon to be stepdad. Did a great job. I'm not, nothing wrong with that either. But in that time of life, me becoming a man, I was starting to figure things out for myself, starting to look for other guidance and things. And some of the things that were taken away from me during that time were big voids in my life. And, uh, and so I started to fill those voids with other things. Uh, relationships with friends that probably weren't the right ones to choose. Uh, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. I even one time went into a Ralph store and stole a Hot Wheel car. I had the money in my pocket. It was just cool to steal something, I guess. Um, then it made me, ended up putting me in a freezer <laughs> waiting for my stepfather to come get me. He came get me, he took me home, he, he sent me in the backyard to, to dig up the flower bed. I thought I was digging my grave. <laughs> I really did. Didn't, he didn't say nothing, he just said, boy, out there, <laughs> dig up this flower bed. I'm like, okay, well, this is over. Um, just stupid stuff in, in life through, through those years after my grandfather and grandparents left. This went through high school. I mean, 
I, I was doing that stuff, missing school. We would go up the mountains and we had cars and drive and do all kinds of dumb stuff. Uh, I'm me personally just trying to find ways to find love, belonging, hope um, through other things. Now I tell you, looking back on that whole time, that was all short-lived stuff. It wasn't any long-term relationships, nothing going on during that time. I remember, you know, or maybe not really remembering, uh, figuring, knowing where I came home, how I got home, where I was, um, find myself in odd places during all those times um, because of the things that I was doing during that, that whole thing. But I was just trying to figure out life, you know. I was trying to figure out where this love, where I belong, what they were. You know, they're all just little vices that you take in life. And, that, and, and they weren't great. But as I look back on life and look through those times, I also saw signs and coaches and things like that and life lessons that have taught me to, to be where I am today, right? So um, as, I, as I graduated high school with a C average, I made it. I'm sure my mom said the same thing, <laughs> that he made it. Uh, I graduated from high school. I still had some of those vices and things going on when, I, when he finished high school. I can't tell you that as soon as high school was over, it was all good, because it wasn't. I was still doing those things. But car clubs came in, and cruising Whittier Boulevard, and things like that all came around, right? It's, there's people laughing here, so they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, I know that me and Bob actually were in the same areas at the same time, not even knowing each other, and we talk about those today. Um, and not bad things and good things, I and mean, we all need friends and have fun and all those kind of things, but there are other vices that we're just trying to fill our lives with than when we were missing them. My dad was not around much. If he was, it wasn't very often. Uh, my mom was doing the best she can. My mom would work days. My, my stepdad would work nights to try to take care of us. So as, as my grandparents left, we had to start doing things on our own, right? We had to get ourselves to school, get ourselves home, do our homework, and of course, if you all lived in those days, I'm sure your parents left you a chore list to check off because they did for us. And when they got home, you better had them done. Um, uh, but you had a lot of free time during that time as well to, to, to hang on to some of these vices and things like that are going on in life. And, uh, and I was speaking to my mom recently, and she said out of all her kids, she thought for sure that I'd be the one she'd have to bail out of the hooskow. So... Or, or jail, for you guys that don't know what hooskow is, because that's probably an old term as well. So I know Noah, you don't know, so that is jail. You can use that someday. Um, but she always thought I'd be the one to bail out of jail. Now, I never was in there, and knock on wood, I never will be. Um, um, and, and those are one of the moments when I look back and thinking, okay, well, God was watching over me, because there's no way I should have been any part of any of that without being in some other kind of trouble. Um, but soon, a couple years after I had graduated high school, I, uh, I met a gentleman, and I don't, honestly, I don't remember how I met him or why I was there, but I, I went to a, a trade school that my mom had been working at during that time, and she actually was the manager of it or, or a principal or whatever it was. Um, she had introduced me to a man named Dennis, and uh, I think I was there to help him hang some boards on the walls or something because you know I'm always volunteering to help people uh, and I'm pretty sure that's what I was doing there uh, but we were sitting in his office and he said you know 
He said, I think you could do this pharmacy technician course here at this college. It's nine months. Just give it nine months. I know you can do it. You seem like you're a guy that's pretty smart to do that stuff. And, I, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, well, I know drugs, so <laughs> this ought to be easy. <laughs> Uh, so I signed up. <laughs> uh, but little did I know that the gentleman who was teaching the class had more investment in me than just in just that pharmacy technician class. I was just like, okay, well, you know, I got nothing better to do. <laughs> uh, but he spent time helping me learn how to learn. He always would coach me and encourage me, uh, you know, to continue on. And, and mostly to tell me, yeah, you can do this stuff. And, and, uh, and I did that nine months uh, of class. I actually graduated with almost honors doing that, uh, which I was really proud of. And so I know the Lord was in that, and I know that that was one of my life coaches. Um, he actually ended up helping me get into uh, some professional organizations, which I became president of and all kinds of things like that, um, but, but showed me some, that I had some value in the world. Uh, other away from these vices that I had, um, and and uh, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed his time, in, and uh, and uh, his encouragement, and like I said, he got me through through the school, teach me how taught me how to learn, um, taught me what was important in life and things like that. Now I don't know if he was ever a Christian or not, but I I do believe he was one of the angels in my life because I could have went down a wrong turn. Uh, my life was actually mostly a U-turn by then, uh, it, or uh, my life took a U-turn at that time. So, um, and then uh, after that, uh, as I look back, um, after I graduated, I would spend summers with my grandparents, and uh, my parents would send us for two weeks. I wouldn't come home. <laughs> I'd just stay the whole summer. Why? Because I had this comfort. This, you know, this, I felt needed and loved and all those things because that's just how it was programmed. I would just stay all summer there. And, uh, and my parents wouldn't be so happy about it because I wouldn't come back. And, uh, but I enjoyed staying all summer and we had lots of fun during those times. But uh, one of those summers after I had graduated from the tech school, I, I think it was the following June in 1984, I was sitting in my grandmother's den um, and they, I don't know if it was a planned visit or just a visit, but uh, they had uh, their brother Charles come to, to, the, to, the, to their house and sit down with me and tell me the story of Jesus and, uh, and just talk to me about, you know, this faith and hope and love uh, in Christ above. And the, next, and the next thing I knew is I was giving my life to Christ in that den and two days later, I was being baptized in a baptized like this in Levi's. Now, if you've been baptized in Levi's, they get pretty heavy <laughs> on the way out. So just a little hint there if you ever have that happen um, to you. Um, and then uh, just two days ago, my parents, grandparents gave me a Bible. And I didn't really realize this till two days ago. The Bible was an open Bible version. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that until I saw it two days ago. I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Um, 
but another angel, you know, my grandparents in my life. I think they were a little worried about me. <laughs> they were going to set me straight, maybe. Uh, I know that they were constantly praying for me and praying for us. Um, after, I, after I had come back home, uh, unknown to me, my life completely changed, which was crazy. It just com- it, And I really didn't have much... I didn't have much uh, direction or plan in life when I left there, but when I came home, life changed. And, uh, and later in life, my brother-in-law would say things like, uh, you make a choice and he'll make a change. And I really believe that. I did make a choice that day, and he just made the change when I got back. A lot of my friends were gone. Um, my vices were minimal. They weren't gone yet, because I'd be lying if they were, but they weren't gone yet. But they were starting to change, right? Um, and that was uh, in the 80s. Now we get to the 90s, and um, my life really changed in the 90s. Actually, really in the late 80s, uh, I got married to my wife. Um, we had kids, which were hoodlums too. <laughs> we could have a whole another day of Sunday preaching just on that. <laughs> uh, but your life changes when you have kids, right? Uh, I tell people who get married or getting ready to have kids that that life, your kids, you relive you relive life when you have kids. You you relive all those moments in life through their eyes uh, as kids. And uh, and boy, I've learned a lot from my kids, and I'm sure they've learned a lot from me. Um, my older son, we were driving somewhere, and those little round balls that are on. The electrical wires, I told him those were alien detectors. I think he still believes that today. <laughs> uh, so I, what I teach them is probably not as good as what sometimes they teach me. In fact, my daughter won't even let me teach my grandkids um, <laughs> without supervision. <laughs> uh, um, but I did come back and life changed. I met my wife. Uh, we were dating for a while. We got married. We had our first kid, our first son. We had already had our daughter, um, but we had our son. We had another son um, before I had before I met my wife. Just probably I don't know, maybe months or a year before I met her, I went to Raul Reese's church, a Calvary Chapel church, um, and he told a story, his story about how his vices and things that he gangs and things that he was in. Um, I just happened to go there one day. Little did I know my wife was attending the church just down the street. My soon-to-be night wife, anyways, is just down the street from me at a different church. And uh, so we were moving closer and closer together until our paths came together in the late, uh, in the late 80s. In fact, I was telling her, it will be 35 years next year of marriage. So, um, yeah, 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 exactly. And then my dad would come in and uh, into our lives once in a while in the 90s. I think he was at my kid's first birthday. He'd pop in once in a while, and he'd rekindle that dad love, that desire that I had, that, you know, I always wanted that fatherly love that never was there. I was always looking for it all the time. He would come into my life, and, and, and I would go, oh, maybe I'm going to get it this time. Maybe I'm going to get that this time. Now, I didn't go back to the vices, so don't worry about that, but I did have a hole in my heart whenever he would come to visit. Um, and, uh, and in the 90s, we lost our grandparents. And um, 
and you know those were heartbreaking obviously but as you get older and you start having kids you start to have a focus on on your family right i mean your family takes up a lot of time uh if you do it right takes up a lot of time in your life um and we worked hard at it sometimes it wasn't pretty i guarantee you that <laughs> just like here at church our family here at church sometimes isn't pretty ask noah <laughs> uh but you know you still i still had that hope i was still looking for that fatherly love all the time um and, and it wasn't easy for me and as life went on i started to recognize who my real fatherly love was my who my father is um you know as time went on my eyes were opening up i truly believe that i spent 40 years because i talked to gj dj about this last week 40 years in that desert seeking out the promised land i really do if you know that story 40 days i i truly think i spent 40 years out there trying to find that promised land and even at that point I was up on the hill looking over at it. I wasn't in it, you know, like Moses and them saw, right? I was still up here looking down at that promised land. And to this day, I'm probably in it, but I still have a lot to learn, right? We all have a lot to learn from each other. And therefore, that is why I'm up here today to tell you, you know, that, that you are loved. You don't have to depend on whatever vice you're spending, you're spending time on. You, you are definitely um, have you know the, you have things that are much higher and much are harder to explain but they are there and God's just waiting for you to you know to be with you so um, soon after that my wife went to PTA she met some folks there who were going to Cornerstone Christian Fellowship they started going I wanted to watch football bill on Sunday I didn't want to go to church just so you know um, but they went <laughs> until one day I decided to go. Uh, I decided to go with them. And, uh, and that day I heard things like, hey, dude, we need a soundboard guy. <laughs> Can you help with this? Uh, and later on I would hear things like, hey, are you interested in small groups? No, I don't believe in those. <laughs> When my daughter was little, and I always think about this, somebody told her about God, and she said, I don't believe in God. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm going to pray for you. And she's like head over heels, believes in God these days, doing mission trips and all kinds of things. So, so. But in the late 90s, I started to take, a, uh, take it a little more seriously and seriously because I met a man named Jim Hall, who was an uh, angel as well, another coach of mine um, in life. And... Uh, and during that time, I also started working for a company who I had a coach there uh, named Cliff, who spent a lot of times teaching life things to me and corporate things and things like that. Men that I truly adore and still adore, just like the guy who got me the drug, drug interest in drugs many, many years before. <laughs> but, uh, you know, same with my grandpa and things like that. There's lots of co coaches out there, but Jim Hall was a great coach. Um, and also during that time, I finished my college degree at Citrus College. I spent time at Azusa Pacific, which is a wonderful school. As I was going there, not only was I going to, I didn't know this at the time, but not only was I going there just to learn, uh, learn about business, I was also being coached in life through people there because they don't just care about you getting an education. They care about you personally 
at that school. Um, they, they always, if I missed a day, they would call and make sure I was okay. Not that I was in class, but okay. Um, my instructor actually, uh, after I was done there, came and did some speaking for me at different things as well, uh, just because of those relationships. It wasn't just about school. Of course, school is very important uh, for me in the business world, but they also truly cared because they, they put God first, God first before us. Um, and, uh, and it was a, just a wonderful experience in doing that, that kind of thing. So all that merged at the same time. Um, I met Jim Hall. And, and as I started going to church, I started hearing verses like some of these. Uh, and maybe you've heard them. And I thought I'd share them for you today uh, as well. Because these are some pretty powerful verses that I have lived through during my time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And I truly believe everybody needs that kind of love. Everybody. Um, but if you expect it from another person, like I did, you will be let down. You will be let down. God is the only one who can love you perfectly. And when you have a relationship with God and experiences love, it empowers you to love others the way God did. It does. One of the things that I, that, that I learned. Another one is 1 John, 4, uh, 1 John 4, 18, which says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear, if we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment, like me in the backyard. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I wrote down, uh, I wrote down or I got this from somewhere. It said, when you understand that God loves you no matter what, you no longer need to be afraid of your own failings because him ca causing him to love you less. God's not going to love you less. He's not. He's not. If you could only truly know the depth of God's love, you would have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Another one a little bit longer is in Romans 8. The great eight I call Romans. Uh, Romans 8. Uh, it's a great chapter, by the way. One of my favorites. Um, 8, 35 and 37 and 39 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelmingly, victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, big mouthful there, yeah? 
just some of the verses that have affected me over the years that I wanted to share with you. And this one, um, I picked up that God is more powerful than anything in heaven or on earth. When you accept Jesus' invitation to begin a relationship with God, you are secure in his love forever. Forever. There's nothing powerful enough to separate you from God's love. Even when things are difficult or feel far from God, it's not because God stops loving you. The truth is that God will never stop loving you no matter what you do. No matter what you do. So those 40 days in the desert, he's not penalizing me, throwing the penalty flag, anything like that. Still loves you. Still loves me. Still loves all of us. No matter what. Crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 tells us, And may you have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. You may, may, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made completely with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. God's love is great. That we, our mere humans, cannot fully understand it. Human love and one, uh, uh, one another often depend on least partially of the behavior of the person being loved. God loves, God's love for us does, does not. The question I wrote down here was, do you long to be known and loved for who you are? God is the only one who can truly do that. So, yeah. yeah. As time goes on, as I do uh, Bible studies and things like that, I continue to grow over the past few years. I've had discussions with him about relationships, about love, about uh, God's got your back when I left my job. Uh, you know, I continue to pray. We had a question the other day about prayer, and, um, and prayer is just talking to God. It's just talking to God. Sometimes it may feel empty, but you just continue to talk to him. And you start to pick up things like this. He's taught me a lot about love over the years. And, and though I still longed for my father up until his death, I, I, didn't, I didn't put as much, uh, I don't want to say hope that it would happen, but I didn't put as much uh, emphasis on that because I had a father who really truly loved me. As I went through, started to with my started with my walk uh, early on in my Christian life. Um, Psalms thirty six five and seven. I think I have that next right. Oh, good. <laughs> Your unfailing love, O Lord, is vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean's depth. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your failing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadows of your wings. You have probably been hurt or betrayed by someone you love at some point in your life. Maybe you've experienced this more than once. Loving and trusting other people is risky. It is risky. Once one person hurts you, it can be harder to open up to others. Have you ever had to experience that? In contrast, God's love is truly unconditional. He never fails you or betrays you. 
You don't need to hold back in your relationship with God because he is totally trustworthy. Trust me <laughs> on that. Whenever you feel let down by people, read the verses, these verses, and remember this. Though people may let you down, God will ne never will. God will ne never will. He never will. So, 1 John 3, 1 says, So how very much our Father loves you, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. You are a child of God. You may have heard this phrase many times before, maybe even a song or two, but take time to think about it. God, your Father, calls you his child. When you begin a relationship with God, you don't just become God's friend, you become his child. God delights in you and wants the best for you. He wants to fulfill your life with joy and blessings. He does. He truly does. Ephesians 1.5 tells us, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. I love the word adopt. I don't remember what Bible study we were doing in Renew recently, but, but the word adopt is, is very powerful. Um, the rest of this verse says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And the reason why I say I love the word adopt is that you can have a child by accident, but you can't adopt a child by accident. When you adopt a child, you choose to love, cherish, and care for that child for life. When God adopts you, it's not an accident. He chose to love, cherish, and care for you forever. He does it because he loves you and he wants eternal, eternal relationship with you. The, that word adopt is crazy. It's the same as in the Bible. You'll see it sometimes, the word inheritance, the inheritance you get. You know, you think of it. Those are some powerful little, they're little words, but they're very powerful, right? I can have kids. Don't get me wrong. I love my kids to death, you know. I won't die for them, though. <laughs> I would die for them. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I know there are people that have experienced adoption, probably some in this room. Well, I know some in this room have. And their parents chose to adopt them. They chose them. They picked them. You know, God picked us. He adopted us. He adopted us. Yeah. Great thing to think about. You can just think about that for a few moments. It's, it's crazy. You take a few minutes to think about that God of the entire universe loves you personally and chooses you to be his child. Now, my dad was my dad. I didn't get to pick my dad. I don't know if he got to pick me or not, but I didn't get to pick him. Um, but I get to pick my heavenly father, and he has picked me and adopted me to be part of his life. Something that's taken me a very long time to learn. And I, so I'm here today to tell you, don't spend that much time thinking like that. Listen to me today. Learn from it. Maybe you only spend 39 years in the desert. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. John 3.16 says, most of you know this one. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
This is not, this is not hard for a parent to understand. But the love a parent feels for their child is pop, possibly one of the deepest loves that a person can have. My daughter and I had a discussion a while back, quite a while back now, about agape love. And I was like, oh, Dana, I have that for you. That's easy. And then she started explaining. I was like, I don't know that I have that kind of love for you. <laughs> it's just this pure love that God has for us. Um, but we had a long discussion over that, that love to help me realize what that love really is. But as a parent, you know, if you talk to any parent, they'll probably, they probably can't imagine any reason they would be willing to let their child die, right? Whenever I did communion at Cornerstone and here at Generations, there were times I would talk about, I don't know how our father let his child die, because I couldn't do it. I, I mean... I, I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see how I could do it. But, you know, he did it for us. He did it for us. Yeah. I would much rather die than, well, except for what I said earlier. <laughs> I would much rather die than let my children die because their children's life is so, so much more important uh, to me than, than, uh, than my own life. God loves you so much that he is willing to let his son come to earth, be mistreated, and ultimately die for our sins so that we could become his child too. That is love that's beyond understanding. That's just love that's not, I, you can't even comprehend it. Now, there are other signals uh, in my life as well that just would say, come, away, come this way, dude. <laughs> This is the way to go. I, like I said earlier, I, I, I went to college and I experienced all of that. Um, I had a family. My daughter then attended Azusa Pacific, and I remember one time her coming home, and she had this big sticker on the back of her PT Cruiser that said, I love you, Daddy, and it had the daughter like this on the, on the back. I go, oh, that's so cute, Dana. I love that. Little did I know it wasn't me, the daddy. It was that daddy that she was, she was advertising all over the world. I was all warm inside until I found that out. <laughs> uh, but it did help me through this time of with, you know, with not having my fatherly love around to just point me in the direction, hey, there's, there's somebody up here waiting for you. Uh, yeah. And that's the same time we had that so forth. Then my son went to Azusa Pacific, and we met a worship leader he was living with at the time who started this, um, this movement called You Are Loved. He had T-shirts and all these things, and he was preaching about, you know, that you are loved by your Father in heaven. And, uh, and great worship leader. I don't know. I think he's still doing worship these days. Um, but, you know, just another road point for me through, from my kids. And, um, and then I saw my youngest son here at uh, church. We were doing a worship night, and he was in the back sitting there on the floor worshiping the Lord. And, and I mean powerfully worshiping the Lord to teach me that, you know, don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. Just give it all to him wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So as I said, you can learn a lot through your kids. Um, 
and you get to live life through their, through them as well. Now you get to live their life through them at Disneyland and all these other things in the world, um, but but you also get to live some most powerful moments in life just by watching your kids uh, um, grow up in the world. And they teach you lots of things. Now they take control of my life, so. <laughs> or they want to anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, as I talked about songs, there were a lot of songs in my life um, over the years, and, um, and I learned a lot from our Renew family. I continue to learn a lot from our Renew family. I tell them all the time I'm teaching myself just as much as, as, as I, I'm sharing things with you, um, and, and it feeds me a lot through those times, and, I, and God tells me a lot of things and teaches me about things just of going through our community groups um, and you never know where something's going to come from you know you don't know uh, what he's teaching you and when they're teaching you but as you look back on life you'll see all those different roadblocks you turns signs that teach you how to um, that teach you that he's there you just got to reach out to him you got to reach out to him um, and there were several songs that, that I learned through the times, uh, like uh, I Love You, Daddy, um, the breakfast song, that's one of my favorites. There's no, there's no milk in hell or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then there's, of course, How Great Is Our Lord or Our God. And uh, my grandmother's favorite, Amazing Grace. Every time JJ would play it here, and I don't think you guys have played it yet, but I always cry during that song because it was one of her favorites. And of course, there's the song called Reckless Love that I uh, look like a fool on the corner of Ohio and all of it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and some of the words in that song in the bridge that says, mountains, you won't climb up, come after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, tear down, come after me. And that day when I heard it there, there was nothing that he couldn't take care of. <clears throat> and I just had quit my job, and he was there. He was there. And that dumb song, <laughs> not so dumb, opened up my heart to just remind me how powerful he is. I spent a year without any work, but I never had a want or need. I had plenty to do, by the way. So if you're thinking about retiring, there's plenty to do out there. Uh, but I never had a want or a need during that time. He took great care of me. Um, and he will do the same for you. And he did it for me, remind me, he did it for me from day one. I could not be here today. There, there's, there, there's every, there was every reality that I should not be here today. But God made sure that he had, a, he had a plan. He made sure that I needed to get here to this point today to tell you all that there is a love out there that's much higher than, than any love you can find on earth. Any vice you have, whether it's 
binge-watching TV or Facebooking or drugs or alcohol or I don't know what it is that you have a vice for, Disneyland or, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they are, but I know that everybody has vices out there. And all I have to tell you is there's, there's something better than all of that. There's something better, way better than all of that. Yeah, yeah. And through all of that, I, I've realized that he has the ultimate love, comfort, desire I was seeking. All the things were just distractions to keep me away as well as, as well as it does the same for you. Trust me, I know, and I've experienced them for 40 years in the desert. Acts 17, 24 through 28 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as if he needs anything, because he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of, of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined their appointed times and their boundaries and their lands. God intended that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and more move and have our beings. I can tell you, he loves you. He loves you. You have a short story to share. You might change someone's life like mine. I read this the past, I read this this past week that there's 44%, I think maybe Andrew shared it with me, but there's like 44% of the world that say they're open to God today more than there was before the pandemic. We all have a story to share. You may think it's nothing, and it may be small, but it's still a story. So go out and share it, right? Just like I'm doing here today, share it. You are loved. There's a bigger love out there than here on earth. If you've got a vice, there's ones that'll take it away. I've asked, uh, I've asked these guys, actually I didn't ask them, Andrew actually emailed me on Thursday or Friday and said, hey, how about we do reckless love at the end of, of your speaking? It's a God thing, because I had it in my message, and he did not read my message this time around. I wouldn't let him. <laughs> that wasn't it. But I asked him to play, play reckless love, and I just want you to listen to this song. I want you to reflect on its words, how powerful he is mountains he can move, the walls he can tear down, the lies he can get rid of. There are probably a lot of you in here that have something going on. I know for sure. I feel it in my heart. But if you listen to this song, he has a love that's unexplainable, that's reckless. I know people sometimes don't like the word reckless, but he has this love that no one can understand, but he loves you. I, no matter what you're doing, what you're going through, as you listen for this song,
If you've not taken a step yet to get close to him, you can do that today. If you've been utilizing vices for love, comfort, or desires, and you want to reconnect with him, you can do that today. It's super easy. Just as it was when, my, when I did it in my grandmother's den. This even works online. It's so simple to do. If you want to do that, you just have to pray the sinner's prayer with me. And if you say it, do that sinner's prayer, I just ask that you come up in the front. If you're struggling through these things, you want to reconnect, come up in the front. And we'll pray with you before we go today. Because I know there's people out there just like me. Maybe you've been 40 or 50 or 20 or 10 years in the desert, whatever it might be. His love is what you need.
His love is what you need. He'll tear down walls. He'll climb mountains. He'll make you cry on all, 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 all of in Ohio. <laughs> but I'm going to repeat this. I'm going to say the sinner's prayer. Just repeat it. And then come up here. Andrew will play guitar for a moment or two. And, and we'll pray with you before you go. Here's your chance. The sinner's prayer is this. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins so I could be forgiven. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Amen. It's that simple. As my brother-in-law always said, you make a choice, he'll make a change. I'm living proof of that. I'm still learning today. I'm still hearing his word. He's still working on me each and every day. I am not perfect. I'm a dude from West Covina that knew about drugs. <laughs> but my coaches, my family, my friends, my church has changed my life. And they can do the same for you. They can do the same for you. So if you prayed that, come up front. Don't be afraid. Just come up front right here and we'll pray for you before we go. I love all of you. I love our Lord. I know he loves me. I know you want to come up. I sit in that sound booth and say, I'm not going up there. Come on up. Whether it's been one time, a hundred times, come up. We will pray for you. He loves you. Our leaders and staff can come forward too and pray for these guys. Come wrap your arms around them. still have time.
I love our, our saying, gather, gather here, gather in community, gather. You will grow. And lastly, go out and tell your story. Don't let it sit in your heart. Tell somebody, whatever the story is. It may, you may think it's minimal, but it's not. Look back on your life. You have stories to tell. I have lots of them. I'm not going to tell you about Mary Poppins. But I will share my stories with you for sure. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this congregation and this church we call Generations. May you bless this congregation, those here and those online. May you put a story in their hearts. Most importantly, may you just let them feel your love. Put the vices to the sides, Lord. Let them focus on you. I love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Have a wonderful day.